MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 30th, 2020. Today, the White House issues a formal threat to John Bolton. Elliot Engel releases a statement about a phone call he had with John Bolton. Senators' questions begin in the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Bill Taylor writes an op-ed, Democrats considering a Trump acquittal. The Middle East peace plan, Trump lawyers battle the release of his tax returns, Parnas and Trump discussed Rick Scott, and Eddie Gallagher strikes back. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is no one. That's right. Mandy Reedy is still on vacay for her B-Day. And Jordan Coburn might have, she's under the weather. She might have pneumonia. I don't, she's just not feeling well. And so um, she needed a little bit of uh, self-care time today. So it's just me and you, just you and I. Um, Maybe I'll have the editors add some laugh tracks um, in this episode, but only at really unfunny moments, just, you know, just for the fun of it. Um, Anyway, I do have a lot of news to get to today. Uh, it was a busy, busy news day. And, you know, we had, I mean, you just heard the intro. There's all sorts of craziness that, that has to be talked about. Before I get into um, some of the news, there was something in here that I saw about, let's see, Democrats considering a Trump acquittal. Um, as it turns out, there are three Democrats right now, um, before we get to hot notes, that I just wanted to bring up that seem like they might uh, or at least could uh, acquit Donald Trump in the impeachment trial. And I just wanted to give you their their names here. And uh, I know the first one off the top of my head is uh, Manchin, right? Joe Manchin. Um, but there are two other ones, too. Uh, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona and Doug Jones of Alabama. Uh, but I don't know that they're leaning toward acquittal. They're undecided uh, on whether to vote to remove the president. They say they're struggling over where to land. Um, at least Manchin did, but he's not really a Democrat. It's kind of hard to call him a Democrat. He never really votes with Democrats. So anyway, that I just wanted to sort of get out of the way uh, as a quick story, because I don't have too much more information on that. There seemed to be uh, a piece in Politico about it, uh, about the trio of of Dems that may vote to acquit, but I, I definitely wanted to bring it up. I didn't just want to gloss over it, um, but I'm I'm still waiting to hear more. Of course, we're going to find out probably Friday how the vote's going to go. Um, or, well, the vote on Friday, excuse me, the vote on Friday is for whether or not to have witnesses. This is the vote on acquittal. Um, and that could be Saturday, depending on whether or not they vote for witnesses on Friday. So we'll get into that. Um, uh, along with uh, all the other news from today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so let's start with the impeachment trial and relevant news there. Yesterday, McConnell indicated he did not have the votes to block witnesses, but today they're signaling that they seem to be a little more confident that they would be able to block new witnesses and documents and bring an acquittal as soon as Friday. Uh, Zoe Lofgren um, appeared to me in a dream last night uh, and said, telling me that we lost the vote. And then she said something about 10 senators. And I don't know what that was in reference to. But 10 senators, 10 senators. Uh, and she was telling me about the vote. And I and it seemed like bad news. Very matter of fact, very nice lady in my dream, though. 
Uh, the podcasts, like I said, they're still confident Trump will be removed. But, you know, there's they, they haven't really been uh, they haven't articulated whether they think it's in this Senate trial or if it's just he'll be rem- he won't be in office by the time we vote in November. We'll see. Um, it's hard to get an answer out of the podcasts. So I'm just sort of guessing. Uh, we're in the questions phase of the impeachment trial. And Trump's legal team uh, is continuing to lie to the senators and the American people, right on the in the well of the Senate, they call it. Philbin today just invented his own standard uh, of the proof for impeachment, saying that in order to convict Trump, the Senate must find him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and that because he, he was asked what the standard is for impeachment. And if it's lower in the House than it is in the Senate, uh, Zoe Lofgren responded to that question a few times, saying that, you know, there's no it doesn't say in the Constitution what the standard um, is uh, and, and or whether it's lower or higher in the House versus the Senate. You can't acquit or convict in this in the House. So I don't see how you could even apply um a standard of, of anything, whether it's probable cause or uh, beyond a reasonable doubt or beyond preponderance of the evidence, I don't I don't understand how you could even apply that to the House of Representatives. So it just seems like a stupid question on its face, uh, which came from Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. So that makes sense. And she asked on behalf of herself, uh, Loeffler, Mike Lee, Kevin Kramer, and Martha McSally, who's just a what a wonderful lady. Um, Jay Sucks at Law, who's what our new name for Jay Seculo, actually tried to tell the Senate that Hillary's legal opposition research on Trump by Fusion GPS, uh, as hired by Perkins Coie, is just as bad and just as illegal as Trump extorting a foreign country to investigate his political rivals. Um, You could take the foreign part out of it. Asking a United States agency to investigate your political rival is an abuse of power. Nixon did it. And he would have been impeached for it had he not resigned. Trump did it before when he pressured our own postmaster general, pressured her to double the shipping rates on Amazon for the negative press coverage he was getting in The Washington Post. Um, Whether that was tied to Jamal Khashoggi or not uh, and, and Saudi Arabia, I don't know. But he did pressure a government agency to go after uh, the owner of The Washington Post by doubling rates on Amazon because, you know, Bezos owns them both. Um, I think Adam Schiff, just top line here, is doing an incredible job at articulating the Democrat, uh, the Democratic positions. He he's he fielded a really dumb hypothetical uh, posed by uh, Ted Cruz and uh, Lindsey Graham, where they asked him about his hypothetical about Obama and and just tore them to shreds. Um, it, it's it's just I I hate to see honest to God, like actual senators, United States senators using this trial to promote and discuss debunked conspiracy theories and whataboutism. It's it's been really hard to watch. And uh, I know a lot of you have been uh, sending us messages and tweeting, too, saying you've had a really hard time just even listening to some of the things that that the uh, lawyers for Trump's legal team are saying in the impeachment um, trial, but also now we have to listen to some of the questions that these senators are asking, and it's just some of them are good, but some of them are just very clearly leading, and some of them include conspiracy theories in them, baked into them, that have been debunked a million times. Dershowitz, uh, he tried to argue, even if you're accused of a crime, but you didn't admit to the crime because you didn't know that you know because that's what you know 
if we don't know what what's in the criminal's head, and if you don't admit to it, then you have to acquit that person. And that's bananas. This would mean Trump could go to Putin, promise lift to promise to lift sanctions in exchange for helping him win the election, and that would be totally fine to Dershowitz if Trump didn't admit it was a crime, because we can't know what's in his head. Um, that multiple motivations could exculpate you from wrongdoing is a dangerous precedent. It's also incorrect. Like, well, I drove the getaway car in a bank robbery, but uh, I was going fast because I was late to a doctor's appointment. That's why I went fast. And I robbed the bank to feed my family. So my intent was okay. And you can't tell what's in my head. So you have to acquit me. Um, I mean, if I've got a public motive and uh, that's a seemingly good and a personal dirty motive or corrupt motive, um, that because my public motive is up front and out there, I can't be found guilty of a crime or in this case, a high crime or misdemeanor is ridiculous. It reminds me of that Mitch Hedberg joke. Like if you eat a French fry, I wish you could eat a French fry and a carrot and the carrot would go down and vouch for the French fry and it, you know, it would be healthy. It would cancel it out. And, and Dershowitz further argued that a president who believes only he can fix the country, uh, like Trump, who thinks his reelection is vital to the national interest can't be impeached for abusing power to cheat or corrupt the next election in his favor because, by definition, he's doing what he thinks is best for the country. That's an astounding argument. I don't know how many uh, people watching are going to believe that. I certainly hope no U.S. senators would fall for that. But, you know, I mean, as, we all know that there are senators that are looking for a way out um, of voting for witnesses for to keep this trial going in any way, shape or form. So they might grab onto that. I know they definitely grabbed onto what Dershowitz said um, last week when he was arguing about that, you know, that these aren't impeachable offenses. Abuse of power is too ambiguous to be an impeachable offense, et cetera. Um, also today, the White House issued an official warning uh, in the form of a letter to Bolton's lawyer, Cooper, that reads, uh, The National Security Council Access Management Directorate has been provided the manuscript submitted by your client, John Bolton, for pre-publication review. Based on our preliminary review, the manuscript appears to contain significant amounts of classified information. It also appears that some of this classified information is at the top secret level, which is denied by Executive Order 13526 as information that, quote, reasonably could be expected to cause exceptionally grave harm to the national security of the United States without authorization, unquote. Uh, under federal law and the nondisclosure agreements your client signed as a condition for gaining access to classified information, the manuscript may not be published or otherwise disclosed without the deletion of the classified information. The manuscript remains under review in order for us to do our best to assist your client by identifying the classified information within the manuscript, while at the same time ensuring the publication does not harm the national security of the United States. We will do our best to work with you to ensure your client's ability to tell his story in a manner that protects national security. We will be in touch with you shortly with additional and more detailed guidance regarding next steps that should enable you to revise the manuscript and move forward as expeditiously as possible. Signed, Ellen Knight Knigget. Uh, and she is the records person there. So this she, this manuscript remains under review in order for us to do our best to identify the classified information within the manuscript. So there, she's saying, oh, there's all sorts of classified and top secret information in here. We're still reviewing it to identify it. Uh, we haven't identified it yet. Uh, we'll get back to you on that. But there's definitely classified information in here. And some of it falls on the level of top secret. And this letter is dated January 23rd. And that's important to note because um, it sounds to me like Bolton 
leaked his own manuscript after finding out the White House was going to slow roll the book. Or someone else at the NSC did it for him. But, I mean, it seems like Bolton was like, shit, this isn't going to get out before the vote on witnesses. I better do something to get this out because the White House seems to be blocking my book. And, by the way, I think that no one in the world probably knows better what classified information is, what would be deemed classified information or top secret information than a former national security advisor uh, like John Bolton, who is going to end up in the conservative column, by the way. I know, I, you know, despite how much he dislikes the Trump administration or how slighted he felt by the withdrawal of Syrian troops or being ignored on the drug deal between, you know, Giuliani and Sondland or anything else that Trump did that pissed him off, which was a lot. I, I even with that sort of level of vitriol that that I'm sure uh, the mustache holds uh, for for Trump, I don't know that he would purposefully put out classified information that could harm national security. And not to mention, Bolton does not have a track record of overclassifying things. And Trump does putting things in that system, that code word classified system like calls with MBS, the, the call with Zelensky, which doesn't have any classified and top secret information in it. Um, it's throwing phone calls that he finds politically embarrassing or doesn't want uh, wide eyes on. Um, to 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 put it in there to overclassify it for for reasons that are against the law to classify documents. Uh, Pence has done this with his the transcript that Jennifer Williams um, uh, testified to in uh, in the House impeachment inquiry uh, about his September 18th call with Zelensky, and Pence has refused to declassify that letter, at, at prompting Adam Schiff to write him a letter saying, "Hey, bro, you can't classify shit." Just because you don't want people to know about it, it has to be classified for specific reasons. And so there's so you got Bolton on one side and the Trump administration on another side. Who has a track record of overclassifying embarrassing shit and not classifying enough things that should be classified, like airstrikes uh, in a restaurant at Mar-a-Lago when Xi Jinping is sitting there in Syria? Or, I mean, I could name a thousand different ways that this president has put at risk our national security. The the blabbing about um, the uh, Israeli intelligence to Kislyak uh, in, in the White House, in the Oval Office, and then saying, oh, I don't mind that you interfered in our elections. Uh, his level of the fact that he was recorded for an hour, 84 minutes or something, 84 minutes uh, at the D.C. downtown hotel by Fruman. Um, of all people and, and walked out with an 84 minute tape of him or, you know, recording of him tape. I'm so 80s. Um, yeah, I just got a cassette, bro, right here with my Walkman. And and so, again, you take this track record of who who do you think is better at knowing what to classify and what not to classify, Bolton or the Trump administration? And it to me, the answer is obvious and clear. There are just a lot of lies coming out of the White House on this. Uh, an- another thing that happened today, Elliot Engel issued a statement saying that he had a phone call with John Bolton last year in which Bolton told him unprompted that the committee should t- look into the firing of Ambassador Yovanovitch. Quote, President Trump is wrong uh, that Bolton didn't say anything about the Trump Ukraine scandal at the time the president fired him because that's one of his defenses. Quote, uh, going back to the letter, how he said something to me on September 19th, shortly after Bolton's departure as national, national security advisor. My staff reached out to him at my request 
Uh, I've known Ambassador Bolton for years. We've had a cordial and respectful relationship, and I wanted to thank him for his service. And I also wanted to ask if he would talk to the Foreign Affairs Committee, as former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson did, to aid our general oversight efforts in the U.S. in U.S. foreign policy. And because uh, Elliot Engel is the chair of that committee. Uh, He goes on to say, he and I spoke by telephone September 23rd. On that call, Ambassador Bolton suggested to me, unprompted, that the committee look into the recall of Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch. He strongly implied that something improper had occurred around her removal as our top diplomat in Kiev. At the time, I said nothing publicly about what was a private conversation, but because this detail was relevant to foreign affairs, intelligence and oversight committees' investigations into this matter, I informed my investigative colleagues. It was one of the reasons we wished to hear from Ambassador Bolton under oath in a formal setting. Ambassador Bolton has made clear over the last few months that he has has more to say on this issue. And now that the president has called his credibility into question, it's important to set the record straight. It's telling that of all people, John Bolton is now that it's telling that of all people, John Bolton is now the target of right wing ire. It underscores just how important it is that the Senate subpoena Ambassador Bolton as a witness. So that that happened today with Elliot Engel. And also today, Parnas got permission for he and his lawyer, Bondi, Joseph Bondi, to be present in the Senate gallery for the U.S. trial, the impeachment trial today. U.S. District Judge J. Paul Oatkin wrote, quote, on consent of the government, the request for a modification of the terms of pretrial release to allow travel to and from Washington, D.C. on January 29, 2020 is granted. To the extent that it seeks the removal of the GPS monitoring device, the request is denied. So that so you can't take your ankle jewelry off, but yeah, you can go. And in a related story, the Tampa Bay Times reported last night that at the same time at that same dinner in April 30th, 2018, the one where Trump and Parnas discussed the ouster of Marie Yovanovitch, you know, get rid of her, take her out. They also discussed Florida Senator Rick Scott. And about halfway through the conversation is when it happened, and Parnas mentioned he lived in Florida, prompting Trump to ask how Rick Scott was doing in his bid for Senate. I think he was governor at the time. And Parnas then repeatedly referred to the campaign of Rick Scott as we, saying it's going to be close, but we're going to pull it out. And we're doing a fundraiser for Scott in May. And he mentioned having lunch with Pam Bondi. That's former Florida attorney general that took a $25,000 contribution from Trump and eventually shut down the fraud investigation into Trump University and who is now on his legal team. Uh, And Fruman donated $5,400 to Scott, Rick Scott, by the way, along with another $15,000 to Scott's super PAC, the Rick Scott Victory Fund. Uh, Fruman and Parnas are under indictment for funneling foreign money into U.S. campaigns. So that's something to keep in mind as as we that's something to frame this whole discussion about Rick Scott. And we're going to pull it out. I think we're going to win with. And uh, Scott ended up uh, donating that money to charity after finding out about the indictment of Fruman and Parnas. And a spokesman for Rick Scott says he doesn't recollect meeting Parnas and that he had no involvement. Parnas had no involvement with his campaign for Senate. Of course, um, there are photos of Rick Scott and Parnas. I don't think there's any Republicans in the history of the universe that Parnas uh, doesn't have photos with, to be honest. Um, We do have a lot more news to get to, so uh, stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy and getting out of debt is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. But thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score, and they offer smart interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. My friend Jesse quit his day job to do stand-up comedy full-time and ended up pretty deep in debt after spending all of his savings on merch, which was t-shirts with hand-drawn cats on them, by the way. But I let him know Upstart could really help. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you, and they make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate. The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one low monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So earlier this week, we saw Mike Pompeo lose his shit on Mary Louise Kelly. And in his tirade, he said, do you think any Americans give a fuck about Ukraine? Well, the former ambassador has written a, a great opinion piece in The New York Times explaining why Americans should care about Ukraine. The short answer, Ukraine is defending itself and the Western world against a Russian attack. The author notes that uh, Russia has been engaged in a war against Europe, the U.S., and Ukraine for quite some time. The author here is Bill Taylor. The components of this war, uh, armed military aggression, energy supply, natural gas and oil, cyber attacks, disinformation, and election interference, all things that are vital to our national security and our economy, not to mention everyone else's. Uh, Bill Taylor represented the United States in Ukraine for the last seven months and has seen the war firsthand. The author reminds us that in uh, the Don- that Donbass is the only location of any shooting war in Europe right now, currently, and that every week Ukrainian soldiers are dying, as are Russians. Since 2014, 14,000 Ukrainians have died in the war in the region. In regards to the energy sector, Russia is trying to uh, cut Ukraine out of economic prosperity and increase dependence on Russia by Germany and the rest of Europe by pushing forward a nonsensical underwater natural gas pipeline. And of course, in the media, we're aware of the war the Kremlin has waged and continues to feed against a free press uh, and anyone who seeks to report accurately on the damaging manipulative actions in Russia. Uh, information warfare is something that, uh, you know, as we know from 2016, drastically affects not only Ukraine's elections, but our own. Uh, and we helped Ukraine counter these attacks on their, in their own election in 2019. Uh, I'll end this segment with a sobering quote from the piece. Quote, until Russia recommits to a rules-based international order, Western nations are in jeopardy. Ukraine is the front line, unquote. So, again, it's just really important that we understand, you know, first of all, it was absolutely the the vitriol and the, the hatred and the shit talking that Trump and Pompeo are doing uh, toward the Ukraine are are unimaginable. So, like, remember the, the Sondland phone call in the cafe that David Holmes overheard when he was like, yeah, and Trump's yelling on the phone. Ah, I don't give a fuck about Ukraine. There's nothing going on in Ukraine. I only care about the big stuff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's what Sundland said. He only cares about the big stuff. Um, and then, of course, we have Pompeo saying, asking Mary Louise Kelly, do you think anybody gives a fuck about Ukraine? It's so important. They are the 
linchpin between Russia and the rest of the world in a lot of respects. Um, I highly recommend you pick up Rachel Maddow's book, Blowout, and, and check that out. And of course, you know, if you've listened to our sister podcast, Mueller, she wrote all the way back to the beginning, and we've been talking about um, the annexation of Crimea, the pipeline building, um, the trying to get control of gas and oil in the region, really just sticking it to the people of Ukraine, the Kremlin, sticking it to the, the people of Ukraine by installing um, Yanukovych, and, and Manafort helped with all of that. And so... That whole, you know, Poroshenko, Shokin, Lutsenko corruption that was going on at that time was really, really bad uh, for for our our national security and Ukraine's. And, and, and so now, you know, with the new president coming in and we have our president refusing you know, withholding aid, basically, and it just to get them to announce bullshit uh, investigations into Trump's political rival. Uh, no, no. By the way. Nobody cared about the Biden stuff back in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. Nobody opened an investigation. All these senators who are at like when Graham and um, Ted Cruz asked today, like, well, didn't you know, what are you Biden's? Don't you think that's corruption, et cetera, et cetera? They were there. They could have launched an investigation into the Bidens if they thought it was so terrible. And um, I'm not going to stop trying to, like, drive that point home. It's really important that we that we talk about that and we remember that uh, and that we remember the importance, uh, uh, the important role that Ukraine plays in our own national security and how important it is that our relationship um, be a strong one, which is why the White House meetings were so important and why why a, a sidebar at the U.N. General Assembly doesn't cut it and why sending Rick Perry to the inauguration is a slap in the face. Uh, I mean, other than, you know, it just being Rick Perry. Um, it's just the that relationship is so, so very important. So check out that op-ed in Washington Post by Bill Taylor. I think you'll really like it. Um, I think it, it I I thought it was very... A good reminder uh, just how important Ukraine is to our national security. And late yesterday, uh, we got word of Trump's new Israeli-Palestinian peace plan that, predictably, is not good for Palestinians. So we were we were sort of we had just gotten the news yesterday um, when we recorded because we recorded fairly early in the day around like around lunchtime yesterday with um, Amy Carrero. By the way, shout out to her; she was amazing. Um, and so we didn't quite have the whole picture yet. All I knew was that I saw. Um, Netanyahu had just been indicted and Trump, who had just been impeached, uh, up on the thing, announcing their long-awaited Middle East peace plan, which was a two-state solution, and laughing about that because that's been on the table forever. It's gone back and forth. They've tried to negotiate that uh, with Palestinians. And what we learned as the day went on was that there was no Palestinian involvement in this and that Trump is going on now going on to say, well, you you should probably take this deal, uh, Palestine, like they've never seen it before or negotiated or tried to negotiate it before. So this plan proposes a fragmented Palestine that's pretty much entirely surrounded by hostile Israel uh, in the region. Israel, of course, comes out in the proposed deal as getting pretty much everything they've been asking for for decades. Uh, Palestine does not. Uh, it is not predicted this plan will be successful or go anywhere for that matter. And this is all in, in this Washington Post piece. Uh, I wanted to, you know, let you know. Um, after all, I mean, how are you going to come up with a successful plan between two nations when only one of the parties was even there to make the deal? Um, and basically, the deal upholds settlements in Palestine, gives them the authority to continue surveilling and running the areas really in any way they please. 
Netanyahu uh, uh, plans to move forward with annexing the Jewish settlements in the West Bank and parts of the Jordan Valley as soon as this weekend. That is not good news. Um, That's just not how that's not how any of this works is a huge disappointment. uh, And it's a huge step further in the direction of blatantly supporting uh, Israel at the at the at the expense of Palestinians, disregarding the Palestinian people. Uh, I know people have a lot of strong feelings on this. I understand that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going through this article as it's written. Uh, I, I just want to clarify um, my position. I don't think that you should negotiate a peace plan with between Israel and Palestine and not have Palestine in the room. I think we can all agree to that. Um, and in more BB news, Netanyahu, uh, who, again, facing indictments on fraud, breach of trust and bribery, surrendered his immunity today, just moments before a coalition was forming to forcibly take it from him. Um, this sounds like a much more physical act than it really is. But so Netanyahu, basically, um, he, you're not shit. And, and here's how sweet it is to see that he's stripped of his blanket immunity. This He was trying to get this immunity from these indictments. And it's so close to the apex of Trump being stripped of his. Uh, I really hope that that's around the corner. Gantz, uh, of the White and Blue Party, BB's rival, Blue and White Party, is stressing that Netanyahu can't do his job when he's showing up to court twice a week to defend himself. Uh, his trial is set to start in a few weeks, BB's trial. So he's been officially indicted, and those were the charges um, I went over a minute ago, uh, fraud, breach of trust, and bribery. And yeah, so it seems like he he pretty much surrendered his immunity because they were about they were about to vote to take it away from him anyway. So that's what's going on over there. Uh, and I think also in news, and this is just off the top of my head, I think I read that the members of Scottish Parliament, is that what MSP stands for? I think I read that MSPs uh, are talking about a referendum vote to exit Brexit, to like to for Scottish independence. They want to um, do do that. So that's also something that's interesting that's happening um, in in the UK right now. And uh, I mean, we're just not going to have like Brexit will destroy the UK as we know it. And Scotland could ask for their freedom from UK. And now maybe they would stay in the EU. They So anyway, yeah, I mean, that's what's happening. I think they voted uh, in favor of, of uh, debates on a referendum to to extract themselves. Um uh, because they don't want to go along with Brexit. And, and if I have any of that wrong, again, this is from the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. It's not in the script. I don't have the story in front of me. But I just wanted to get that out there. You should definitely look it up and, f- and find out the facts. Uh, if I got any of them wrong, you can always tell me about it by sending in corrections. We do corrections for this show and our sister podcast, Muller She Wrote, every week on the Muller She Wrote podcast. You just go to MullerSheWrote.com. Click contact, select corrections, and build us a compliment sandwich. We will get it right eventually. And we have a lot more news right after this quick break. Uh, And if you want ad-free episodes of this show and you want to get them, uh, you want to get this show the night before it goes public, you can become a patron of this show. You'll become a patron of both shows um, and you'll get the ad-free Daily Beans and you'll get it the night before and become a patron at patreon.com slash the Daily Beans. Um, you get a whole bunch of other stuff too, but, uh, it, it really helps us out. It helps us pay for healthcare for our employees and, and super, you know, super great wages. And, uh, I got 401k plans now for everybody. Um, because you know, that's how you do. You have to, and you know, paid leave and all that good stuff. Cause that's walk the walk, right? Uh, we'll be right back right after this. 
Hey everybody, this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Everybody can use a helping hand from time to time. Personally, I've experienced some incredibly stressful events, um, especially while serving in the military and, and recently, and I've needed support to help heal. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, uh, which may not be locally available to you in many areas. A lot of rural uh, areas don't have this kind of help. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy and free to change counselors if it's needed. It's more than affordable than it's more affordable than traditional uh, offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily. Here's a recent one from BetterHelp user AL who says, "Talking to Elizabeth made me feel better almost immediately. We've all been talking for a few weeks, and I'm feeling much more at ease. And she's given me new coping skills that have been working very well for me. So visit BetterHelp.com/dailybeans. That's Better Help H-E-L-P, and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody. Breaking today, uh, Lev Parnas is implicating Lindsey Graham in the Ukraine scheme. Uh, Apparently toward the end of 2018, Giuliani said he delivered a missive to Graham calling for sanctions on a host of Ukrainian government officials. Lev's lawyer, Bondi, Joseph Bondi, told the Daily Beast that Rudy showed Parnas the letter and told him he delivered it to Lindsey Graham. Apparently, Rudy showed Parnas a second letter addressed to Segal Mandelker. That's the person in charge of sanctions at the Treasury Department. The letters claim that a handful of Ukrainian political figures and business people were part of an organized crime syndicate, according to Rudy, that was actively involved in embezzling funds appropriated by the American government for aid to Ukraine. And that crime syndicate used those funds to buy black market military parts from a Russian company uh, under U.S. sanctions. Um, Rudy also sent a letter to Graham asking him to help three unnamed Ukrainians get visas so they could come to the U.S. and share information about the Bidens. One of them was Shokin, and they they never got that visa. And that was one thing that I know Yovanovitch was um, probably like having, like saying no to. And that might have been one of the reasons to get rid of her. Graham and Rudy have not responded to requests for comment. Of course, everyone Rudy accused of being in the crime syndicate are all anti-corruption people that stood in the way of his personal and political dealings that would benefit Rudy and Trump and Lev and Fertosh and the Kremlin. So that's new stuff. And uh, this, this, you know, the Parnas and Fruman show, it's just going to be a drip, 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 danger, danger. Um, <laughs> Jay sucks at law. Oh, man. Danger, danger. I was waiting for the Will Robinson. It didn't happen. Uh, but how embarrassing. Anyway, he actually made that, made those sounds on the Senate floor. Okay. Uh, also today, uh, retired Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher. This is the guy Trump intervened to allow to keep his SEAL pin after he was found guilty of posing with a corpse. Uh, he was also being charged with murder, but he was acquitted for that. He's now publicly attacking his former shipmates. From the San Diego Union-Tribune, that's our home paper here, Gallagher posted a video on social media attacking his former colleagues who testified against him, uh, the ones who accused him of murder and shooting civilians and said he was a terrible person. He called them cowards, but, but more importantly, 
he shared photos and names uh, and duty status, um, the duty statuses of these guys and their units. Uh, former Petty Officer First Class David Shaw responded saying, quote, attempting to call attention to those SEALs' status in the way it's been done does not serve the mission or interest of the Navy. To attempt to out their status raises questions about the decision to do so. Another former SEAL from the, the, the platoon said that publicizing the faces of active duty SEALs, including one assigned to the Elite Development Group or SEAL Team 6, could put the lives of the men and their families in danger. So he's, from my understanding, he's retired now, Gallagher. Um, he can't, I don't know. There has to be some sort of a debriefing rule that you can't do this or, or you know, like I remember when I got out of, of the Navy, I had to sign a bunch of stuff saying I would never say certain things for the whole rest of my life and that I wouldn't say certain things for the next two years and that I wouldn't reveal certain things. There had to have been something along those lines unless maybe he didn't have to sign those, you know, out dock paperwork. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Out dock, by the way. <laughs> you got to love the military. In dock is short for indoctrination. Out dock is not short for a real word, but it's the opposite of indoctrination because I don't think out doctrination is a word. And that happens all over the military, too. When we would don our gear, like you don something, don we now our gay apparel, taking it off was called doffing it, which is not even a thing. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> that's what outdock is. Sorry if I threw that in there at you in weird military terms. And speaking of active duty service members, we're up to 50 active duty service members now being treated for traumatic brain injury or TBI in connection with the missile strikes on U.S. air bases in Iraq following the airstrike ordered by President Trump that killed General Qassem Soleimani. As we know, Trump tweeted after the attacks, all is well, all is well, no casualties, no injuries, nothing to see here. Uh, no injuries, all is well, all is great. Um, so it just sounds here like Trump was just hell-bent on his actions, not inadvertently causing any injuries or casualties to our troops or U.S. personnel or contractors. So he just came out and lied about it. All is well, no hurts, no sads, no nothing. And then he tried to minimize traumatic brain injury so that when, when we started getting the news that, you know, a handful or 12 or 14 or then 32 or however, you know, because the number kept going up, had uh, were suffering from TBI, he minimized TBI by saying TBI, they just had some headaches, not a big deal. Uh, and I mean, he said this kind of thing before. I remember he called people with PTSD like maybe they're just weak. Um, and, and he was referring to to veterans, by the way, and active duty service members. Um, and, and then, of course, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, VFW, that's a service organization, um, a veteran service organization, demanded an apology for that characterization of TBI. So, like I said, it went from 0 to 14, 34, now 50. And this is normal. This is typical. Uh, the symptoms of TBI don't materialize immediately. Sometimes they take a while. So they can take weeks, months, uh, and and you you just and you just don't start seeing or uh, realizing those symptoms until later down the road. And and so there could be more. Um, and many of uh, of these active duty service members, U.S. personnel, are being treated at Walter Reed, while others have been returned to duty. 
Uh, and Walter Reed is right down the fucking street. I would urge Trump to go and visit some of these men and women at Walter Reed and learn more about traumatic brain injury and why we have six massive polytrauma veteran and active duty centers in the United States created to treat polytrauma and traumatic brain injury. It is a major health issue among those who serve, and, and Trump should be constantly ashamed of the way he treats the military and veterans, Gold Star families, reservists, Coast Guard, National Guard, especially since he got a rando guy in a foot doctor store to write him a bone spur letter so he wouldn't have to don the uniform himself or doff it. Um, so that is just, I think those numbers might uh, continue to grow. Um, of course, my thoughts with with all those being treated for TBI. Uh, I, I'm keenly aware of, of how serious the condition is, what the symptoms can be, how it can affect families, not just the, uh, the folks who are directly affected. There's a ripple effect that, that happens. So, you know, I just want, I want you to know I love you and I care about you, uh, even if our president doesn't. And we have a little movement uh, in other news in the old House Ways and Means Committee case to get Trump's tax returns. Remember that case? Richie Neal, the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, asked the IRS and the Treasury for Trump's taxes so his committee could assess the effectiveness of the presidential tax audit program. We talked about this case a lot back when it was filed because the House Ways and Means does not need a reason to get a, the tax returns of a citizen. They just get them. They have to hand them over. And we talked about, remember, there was a partisan committee during Vietnam that asked for the tax returns of coffee houses set up to protest the Vietnam War. And that was for extremely political, nefarious reasons, was to attack these anti-war coffee houses. And they got the tax returns. Um, even if their policy, like I said, is totally partisan or politically motivated, I mean, Richie Neal could say, we hate Trump's hair and that we we need his tax returns to see how much money he spends on whatever he does to his head. He can, that is, you don't need a reason, is what I'm saying. And the House Ways and Means Committee is entitled to that, those tax returns, no matter what. But here, Richie Neal did give a legitimate legislative purpose. And despite that, the case has been sitting in a Trump-appointed judge's chambers, Trevor McFadden, in his court, it's been sitting with Trevor, and Trevor says he wants to wait for the Supreme Court to rule on the McGahn case because they're so similar, and they're not. And in January, in a January 14th conference call, the court said it would consider lifting the stay, uh, you know, blocking the taxes from being handed over, if the circuit court did not rule expeditiously. Here's what I found. Oops. I didn't ask you for shit, Siri. Well, she's very helpful. Um, no, we're just going to leave it in. I don't care. What was I saying? In a January 14th conference call, the court said it would consider lifting the stay on the taxes if the circuit court did not rule expeditiously. And since it's been two more weeks and there's still no ruling, the House Ways and Means Committee is requesting the court lift the stay immediately, deny Trump's motion to dismiss, or at a minimum, do so with respect to the issues in the case that are not, you know, presenting in the McGahn case and order the parties to expeditiously brief on the merits. So put a fast schedule on this shit, too. Um, this case has been stalled long enough, they say, uh, in, the, in the filing. The requested relief is necessary for the committee to move forward with its pressing legislative and oversight inquiry and to carry out its constitutional functions in the limited time remaining in Congress. 
Um, So McFadden has said he fears that a ruling could get ahead of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit as it handles a similar issue in a subpoena fight over McGahn. And and this is where he's trying to say these cases are similar. And this that's why he's slow rolling this tax bullshit. He's basically saying Trevor is saying Trevor is saying Trevor uh, that because Trump is using the same bullshit argument in the McGahn case that he's using in the tax returns case. He wants to wait and see what happens in the McGahn case. Um, and that's just because, you know, Trump's arguing there's no legislative purpose. You can't touch me. Can't touch this. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and the House Ways and Means Committee argues this. They say, dude, uh, Trevor, Trump and his lawyers are saying in the impeachment trial right now that the House was required to pursue judicial enforcement of its subpoenas to various officials, which flatly contradicts the position the Department of Justice has advanced in the tax case. So mm, take it, suck it, lift the stay. That's what they're asking for. I don't know how uh, I don't know how conducive Trevor's going to be to lifting the stay on the Trump's tax to Trump tax returns. We already know that uh, Steve doesn't want to, Steve and Trevor, and that the you know Trump's buddies who who make money off of Trump condos uh, that work over at the IRS, uh, Rifkin, I think, and somebody else, bunch of dicks. Um, they're not going to hand anything over, even though by law they have to. So this is an interesting um, exercise in Trump-appointed judge judges versus every other judge. Because in every other case, in, in, this, in the Supreme Court, with all judges from all, from Bush, Daddy Bush, to Baby Bush, to Carter, to um, Clinton, to Obama, all, they all are always landing in favor of the House and the Democrats in these cases. And here we've got Trevor, who's just sitting on this. Um, and and the other one that we can note is Rao, who who has been the descending, the dissenting, descending. She's been the descending colon. No, she's been the dissenting uh, judge on the three judge panels in the appeals courts for, for these some of these Trump cases. Uh, where I think it was the Deutsche Bank case, uh, either Deutsche Bank or Missouri, where she said, no, you can't do this. The pr- you have to do impeachment. You can't investigate the, tr- the Trump. You can't investigate the Trump for crimes, for criminal crimes. You got to do impeachment crimes. And then, of course, you get to impeachment, and they're like, no, you can't impeach the president for that. You got to do criminal crimes. <laughs> As Dershowitz would say, you have to have a criminal crime for impeachment. And then Trump-appointed judges on the other side are saying, we can't do this you can't do criminal crimes you got to do impeachment it's just absolutely it's batshittery is what it is i do have some good news for you though right after this break along with a final thought so stick around hey everybody it's ag and this helping of daily beans is brought to you by native deodorant did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum which can form a plug in your sweat glands and keep you from sweating Uh, i had been looking high and low for an aluminum free deodorant that works and i have found it Native deodorant is made without aluminum, so you can feel better about what you're putting on your body. And it's not just aluminum-free. Native Native deodorant is made without chemicals, no aluminum, no parabens, no talc. Instead, it's formulated with safe, natural ingredients that you've heard of, you can read, you can pronounce, like coconut oil and shea butter. It's also vegan. It's never tested on animals, which is very important to us here at Daily Beans. What I love is that it's not all wet and gross. It goes on dry, stays on dry all day. It smells awesome. They have over 10 amazing scents, including their classics, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint, and my new favorite, 
coconut and vanilla. I've tried them all, and now I, I keep going back and forth on favorites. It's, this week, it's coconut and vanilla. They even have rotating seasonal scents and an unscented option and baking soda-free formulas for those with sensitivities. Native comes in a wide variety of options for men, women, and teens. There's no risk to try. Native has free shipping on every order and offers 30-day free returns and exchanges in the USA. And you should check out over the 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers who made the switch to Native. And for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, Here's some good news. Uh, Senator Susan Collins, nothing ever starts good news with that name, but check it out. Her opponent, Sarah Gideon, has raised $3.5 million in the fourth quarter of 2019. That's huge. The fundraising was powered by about 4,200 Mainers, and 95% of individual donations were under $100, indicating strong grassroots. Um, uh, it's really good. It's getting it's getting good. It's getting good. I love Mainers. I absolutely love Maine. I did the Maine Comedy Festival in, was it Bethesda? Or no, Beth, yes. Bethesda? Uh, north of Portland. You, you know what? I'm going to have to look it up. I think it's Bethesda. Maybe it's Bethel. Bethel. Is that is that a place in Maine? I'm going to look it up right now so I don't so I know what I'm talking about. Bethel, Maine. Yes. That's where I was. And I had a fantastic time there. Everybody's so friendly. Everybody waves at you, smiles when you walk by and say hi. Um, that doesn't really happen too much in California. Uh, I smile at people. They don't smile back. I had like maybe one out of a thousand. But anyway... Um, so 4,200 Mainers, 95% individual donations under a hundred bucks. We don't yet know how much of the 3.5 million, uh, for Sarah Gideon, how much of that haul is from out of state, though I expect it might be substantial because we're all eager to unseat Susan Collins after the Kavanaugh vote, especially, I think a lot of people sent in, um, money back then and, and, and uh, she had high out of state numbers during that. And now her, you know, her impeachment trial performance, um, I think there's just been a lot of, of out-of-state donations to Sarah. I know I've given. So, uh, and not too many polls out of Maine, but there is one showing Collins losing in a hypothetical head-to-head with any Democrat. So that's good news, I think, for Sarah Gideon. So check her out. Uh, Gideon still has to win the primary. She's going up a couple against a couple of other Democrats uh, in that primary as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And, I mean, the... Uh, Election season's heating up. When is Iowa caucus is less than a week away? It's like six days away. And so it's it's going to start to get pretty exciting. Um, also, a new group called Fix Our Senate launched this week to go after Mitch McConnell, who currently suffers from a 29 percent approval rating in polls tracked by Real Clear Politics. Uh, Fix Our Senate is kind of, I don't know, it's a weird name. I feel like it's already fixed, but <laughs> not in the good way, if you know what I mean. But the group intends to shed light on McConnell and every ally who supports him by conducting and disseminating research on him and his record, including his role in in rising drug prices, shitty judicial nominations, legislative gridlock, the 400 or so bills that the House passed that are just sitting on his desk collecting dust, uh, his hyper-partisanship. I I didn't see this in here, but I hope they go after him for the aluminum plant that's funded by the Kremlin, uh, and the likely acquittal of Trump in the Senate trial, of course. Uh, This group... um, that's raising money, has ties to the SEIU, Demand Justice, Indivisible, Protect Our Care, and For Our Future. They've been established as a 501c4, so donors' identities can stay shielded. That's what the NRA is, right, is a 501c4, uh, by the way. But their tax-exempt status is currently uh, under review. 
for its gross financial mismanagement. Mm, I love watching the NRA fall apart. Uh, and after extreme pressure on social media and in the news, the National Archives has released the unaltered Women's March photos by Susanna Rob. So that's good news. Um, I haven't looked at them yet, though, so I, I, I haven't cl- closely looked at them yet. I'm, I'm assuming they're telling the truth that they are unaltered. And here's something fun. Porn mogul Larry Flint is offering a $10 million reward to anyone that can provide video that could help impeach Donald Trump. So $10 million bucks if you've got it, uh, if you've got any video that could help impeach Trump. And that's Larry Flint, founder of Hustler Magazine. I'm sure you've all seen that movie. Maybe not. I'm pretty old. Um, Courtney Love, she's from Hole, uh, Kurt Cobain's wife. Anyway, good movie. People versus Larry Flint. You should check it out if you haven't. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays Larry Flynn. He does an excellent job. Uh, and here's, this is so great. The guy that owns WeatherTech. That's the CarMat people. WeatherTech for your truck. And the cup phone thing. Well, his dog uh, had cancer a while back. Seven-month-old dog, I think. And he took the dog to the University of Wisconsin at Madison School of Veterinary Medicine. And their doctors were able to shrink the dog's heart tumor by 90%. And so the dog is all but cancer-free, living a happy life now. So this Sunday, during the Super Bowl, the, the weather tech guy, his name's David McNeil, he's going to run a 30-second ad. It's going to cost anywhere between 5 and $7 million. And it's going to be during the second quarter of the Super Bowl. And that ad is going to call for donations to uh, the school. And all money raised will benefit the school's medical research. That's the University of Wisconsin at Madison School of Veterinary Medicine. And it's very rare that somebody would spend that much money on a just a charitable cause or not advertising uh, weather tech, but I think you go through it through the, through a weather tech link, but regardless, I think that that's fantastic. Um, I hope, I I hope they raise a lot of money. Um, So let's get social. Hashtag. All right. Trending right now. Number two and number three in the country. Hashtag. We want witnesses and hashtag. We want witnesses to testify. I think this speaks for itself, but I'm extremely glad this is trending in the top three. It shows America is watching. Uh, I heard that the first day of the trial had 50 million viewers, uh, to put that in perspective, 4 million turned into the mad, uh, tuned into the Maddo, uh, Parnas interview, 4 million. The Grammys got 19 million viewers. Uh, the Super Bowl gets about 100 million viewers. So 50 million are watching half of the Super Bowl. But Game 7, where the Cubs won the World Series, that got 50 million viewers. So that's about where we are. So that's, a, that's a huge number. Um, that, 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 that many Americans are into this and into what's going on. And we talked about this forever. Like, once the impeachment gets going and more Americans are going to get involved in it, we got to hit that 60% magic number. I think we're at 51 right now for, if you, for you know, who want to impeach and remove. A new poll that I've read, but I haven't verified yet. So, I you know, take it as it is. 75% now want witnesses uh, of Americans, and that includes 70% of Republicans. So that's interesting, but they might want Biden and Schiff. <clears throat> but witnesses nonetheless. So uh, we'll know. Uh, by the end of this week, whether we're going to have witnesses, uh, I, I told you what I think, and I told you what the, the podcasts think. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you think. Let us know at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. Uh, tell us if you think you, if we'll see witnesses um, in this trial. And I have a final thought here. We might not get witnesses in this trial, but I don't want you to despair if that vote doesn't go our way. Because even if we win that vote, the Senate will acquit Trump anyway. They were always going to uh, leave. The podcasts disagree, I know, but 
they would it, they were going to leave him in office until the election. Witnesses in the Senate trial would not have stopped Trump from continuing to be Trump. Uh, it wouldn't have prevented him from cheating in 2020. Uh, the truth will come out between now and the election, and the court of public opinion will fuel us to vote in November. We have to show up in numbers too big to manipulate. And we know it's possible because they cheated in 2018 and we smashed that election. We can smash this one, too. We have to show up and vote for whoever wins the nomination, even if it's not your favorite candidate, even if it's somebody you've heard bad things about. And I know we want evidence and testimony in the trial to hold the Republican senators accountable, but we already kind of have that with the Bolton revelations. This information is out there prior to the vote for witnesses. If they don't vote for witnesses, that's going to be worse for them than voting for witnesses and acquitting. Uh, does it matter if the truth comes out in the trial or just parallel to the trial? Because in the court of public opinion, it doesn't make a difference. It's still us. It's always been us. And we have a track record of being able to win when we show up. Now, like I said, if the podcasts are right, we will get witnesses. Excellent. Uh, we'll get the truth in the trial and more of it will come out after. And, and they'll be held to account if they acquit as well. Uh, if Trump is removed by some miracle or white horse prophecy that I don't see coming, we still have the same job in November. We still have to defeat the Republican, whoever it is. And I know we can get it done if we stay united and, and bring it. So that's my final thought. I just wanted to put that out there. Don't despair. Um, I know it seems pretty dark, but we're here. I'm here. Um, you're here for me. I'm here for you. Um, Jordan and Mandy are here too in spirit for all of us as well. So please, everyone take care of yourselves, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and take care of each other. I've been AG, and them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.